and welcome to another episode of War Dice. I'm Conzo. And I'm John from War Budgies. And we are on episode 10. We've made it into the double digits. We survived. <laughs> I always crack and laugh at when we go to episodes and everything. Um, so, you know, more than dice. Uh, I think we're hitting episode 250 this weekend. And oh, I was dude. like, like, dang. It's like, I didn't, didn't think we would be doing it that long. But, oh well, <laughs> not a big deal. Um, but welcome to the episode. I guess it's episode 10. We're in the... Eve of the Eve before Adepticon. Uh, today's episode, we're going to talk about painting your army, getting things done, some paint schemes, uh, how to take a, and tackle the projects, because it's a lot of models, whether you think it or not. And uh, we're going to go over two scenarios. The two scenarios are, what are they, John? We're doing spontaneous combustion for our skirmish scenario and strange matter for the primary scenario. Um, but before that, we want to say, you know, we want to thank everybody that listens, guys. We appreciate it, uh, that you do this and that you, you know, egg us on and, you know, thanks for doing cool stuff. We appreciate it. Um, I know that there's a couple of other new, uh, I wouldn't say not always podcasts, but just, you know, community people out there that are doing really cool projects. John, you know, quite a few of them cause you're part of them. Uh, you want to give them a <laughs> shout out? Yeah. So, uh, Arcane Synthesis, I'll give them a shout out every chance that I get. Uh, we've also seen just a big sur uh, surge of activity on the Warcaster Facebook groups. Yep. Just people sharing paint schemes, models, all the kind of stuff they're building. It's really kind of taken off. So if you're not part of the face the Warcaster Facebook group, go check it out. It's a good time. And just cool people there. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're the pandemic is, and I'm going to put up quotes around this, officially ending. Um, the CDC, uh, is going to be making announcements pretty soon that it's officially over and some states have already done that. And pretty much now it's like, don't go anywhere if you're sick, you know, you be, be careful, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, it's, we're starting to see a resurgence of more people playing, people coming to the game stores, mm -hmm. um, people, you know, bringing their armies in play, which, you know, you and I are always big on that. If you're, you and your buddies are going to go play some games, go do it at the game store. Yep. That way you can get people, you know, interested in your game. It's always better to build the meta up than to tear it down. And like I said, going with that, it's always better to have a painted army than an unpainted army. Oh, yeah. Uh, it always looks better. Uh, one of the things uh, that was brought up recently, and I, I, we joke about it, but, you know, War Machine used flat terrain for the longest time, and people are starting to use 3D terrain. And I will tell you, when I make a Warcaster table and I put all that stuff down and put everything in and start moving the models, it does draw people in. And so a good painted army will draw people in, too. Yeah, the scenery matters. Very much so. Um, and I think that's a, a lot of people like uh, playing Warcaster and all the different rules for it. But we're going to talk about painting your army, making a scheme, making a theme, you know, whatever shout out to some of the you know paints we use. Mm -hmm. um, but before we do that, we want to say it is your army. You can paint it any damn way you want. <laughs> there is no, there is no rules, no laws, no anything. You paint your army any way you want. If you want them all to be painted like giant chickens, you can paint them all like giant chickens. We're I would actually applaud the effort if you went to <laughs> all that trouble. Yeah. Um, you know, you can theme it out any way you want. But I always, so whenever I get an army, and it's a new one that I'm going to be painting, I'm uh, 
paint themes was instantly is like, how am I going to paint this? And I always kind of go like a fluffy route. Um, I, I look and read about them. And I'm like, okay, these guys are dark and mysterious. I'll think about a dark scheme. Or if they're, you know, whatever, I'll paint them in a dark scheme. Unless I've got like some really cool color palette in my head. Mm-hmm. But that's how I usually go with it. What is your like initial thoughts whenever you go and talk about painting your army? Well, I actually spilled my secrets a little bit when I did the Jericho Reach source book. There's a little painting guide in there for each of the four factions that I do. And I talk about in there kind of why I painted them the way I did. And it's much the same way as you described it. It's all the fluff. It's all the narrative. So for the ISA, these are the guys who are trying to present themselves as the good guys. I'm not saying they're the good guys. We are the good guys. <laughs> but we believe we're the good guys more than anything else. Yes. So picked very smooth, sleek kind of pattern for them. And contrast that with the marchers who are, you know, these dirty colonists. And I ink wash. I don't think there's a spare bit of that model that is not ink washed and brown. <laughs> and it just it creates this very sleek professional look versus this really gritty, drag through the mud type appearance. And it just it uh, without even explaining who the armies are, you can sell some of their story just based on how you paint them. Correct. Um, and one of the good things about this is this is sci-fi. Like I said, you can paint your army any way you want. The sci-fi portion of this game really leans to a lot of cool paint schemes, in my opinion. Yes. Um, and so you can kind of go wild because, I mean, yeah, you can paint the leathers, the leathers, and you can paint, you know, the metals, the metals. But um, if anybody's seen my ISA, I use color shifting paint on it. Um, mm-hmm. With color shifts from blue to purple, uh, which I used. Uh, by the way, I'm going to give a shout out to Turbo Dork uh, because they make really good metallics and color shifting paints. Um, and so I did that because I was like, okay, I was like you, ISA. They're the top of the line. They, you know, they have the most technology. You know, they've got rich people funding them. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Why wouldn't they have this cool color shifting? You know, metallic armor type stuff and that's how i kind of did mine uh just airbrushed it all down which makes it you know get a quick coat on it and you're good to go i mean mm-hmm. it doesn't take long to paint it um you know at least get the base coat on there but for people that don't know that have never used a color shifting paint you do not seal a color shifting paint model does it mess up the effect it completely ruins it oh wow completely destroys it um, you'll get, you'll get some, but it just completely ruins the look of it. So you're just, you just don't seal it at all. Um, I haven't found a sealant that will not ruin it, but, mm-hmm. um, you just leave it like it is. Uh, you prime them like black with a, usually a, a shiny black primer, and then you airbrush over. You can paint it on, but I mean, why not just use an airbrush? Make it easy. <laughs> If you got it, use it. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's the thing I like about uh, Warcaster is you can get some really cool paint schemes with some really cool paints that you typically wouldn't use for a fantasy army type thing, typically. Yeah. And if it's a concern about like, hey, what does this look like? Like, we got the thousand worlds and we've got thousands and thousands of years going on. Like, yeah, the different uniforms and appearances are going to evolve even if it's the same army. Yeah. So even something that's regimented like the ISA, like there's going to be a thousand different ways to paint the ISA and they're all legit. Yeah, there, there, is, there is no wrong way to paint your army. Let's just yeah. say that. There's no wrong Aside way from to not paint. painting your army. Correct. Um, <laughs> the one thing I do want to stress is 
<coughs> excuse me, is since everything's metal, mostly, very little resin, mostly it's metal, please, please, please go wash your models and clean them off before you apply any primer or even gluing them or anything. Um, because the releasing agent they have on there doesn't allow stuff to bond to it, which that's what it's supposed to do. Um, <laughs> Functions as designed. Correct. And so, like, I, I actually have a sonic cleaner that anytime I have a metal uh, metal models, I just pick them up and dump them in the, my sonic cleaner and let them sonic clean for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, folks at home, if you are having trouble gluing pewter to pewter, the key is just washing it. Oh, yeah. 100%. Wash it off. Do a little bit of scratching on it to, you know, give it some texture uh, to hold on to. And then you won't have any problems with a, re- with a metal model at all. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, and that's what I do. I, I make sure they're thoroughly cleaned, put them together, and then prime everything. Um, and so my ISA, like I says, is uh, using Turbo Dork, and it shifts blue to purple. Looks really cool. I have a lot of, a lot of good compliments. They're not painted very well. They just look decent from a tabletop. I yeah. mean, I'm not going to put them in any competitions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not putting them in the competitions. I'm not looking to do painting competitions. I just want them to look cool as they destroy everybody else on the board. Yeah, um, that, uh, two shield morning star. Are you still running him? Oh yeah, yeah, I knew it. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, but now for my AC, I am going with a darker theme on them. Um, I like the original theme that they have. You know, where it's the blackish and then you know the red uh, glow effects and such. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I want to do that, but I'm going to do another color shift. I mean, I have the entire Turbo Dork color shift paint line, so <laughs> why not? <laughs> Might as well experiment. Yeah, but I'm going to be. I, I, I'm going to do like a. I've got these colors, and then they're going to be a dark purple uh, and blue type. Um, it's going to be. It's, it, they start off like a really, really deep, deep purple, and then they. Sh- you know, color shift into either a blue, green, or like a red. And I'm not sure which one I'm going to do yet. Um, but I have the colors and I'm going to test them out. For anybody that needs to test out like color shifting paints, um, just a little uh, hint go get plastic spoons. Yes. Prime them black, then spray paint them, you know, put, put the color shift on them because that'll let you see what the reflection is because you can turn it around the entire spoon and you can see what it looks like in dips and in ridges and so on and so forth. Just mm. a little hobby tip for people that want to know what the color looks like before they spray paint their entire army. <laughs> Which, you know, that's some really fast regret if you got the wrong thing in your hand. Correct. Um, yeah. But that was, uh, so I've got like this deep purple shifting to different ones. And once I do a little spray paint and I can get to it, which I won't be doing anything until after Adepticon mm-hmm. on the army. But um, that's just kind of where i want to go i want i want to go techno color cool looking with my army because it's sci-fi it yeah. seems really cool to do that now when it comes to like establishing a visual identity on the tabletop one of the things i like to tell people when they're getting into it is pick yourself like a main color and then your highlights yes so my isa are done in gray and then all the lights and all the little cells are done in a really vibrant bright, bright blue and all the armies that paint are that way there's a main color and then the lights are done in a very rich, contrasting color. So for your AC, what are you planning to do for, like, all the little lights and visors and stuff? Um, you know, I'm, I'm a, a trick I use uh, to do cool-looking colors like that is I paint those areas white, and then use a contrast paint. 
Ooh. That wakes it, and it makes it quick and easy. Um, and so what it is is I paint it white, then go back over with a contrast paint that I want to use. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet. I'm, I, I've, I've thought about an orange uh, contrast paint and uh, a yellow and a green, you know, but I'm just not sure yet. I want to put those colors on the model and then redo it. And you can always paint over contrast paint pretty quickly. Just another white coat and it's done. Yeah. Um, but um, I think I'm going to go with either a red and orange, depending on which color I go with um, the Turbo Dork colors. Because uh, I, I do like the red and black. But mm -hmm. like I said, I want to test it out. But I, I, I can't stress enough how easy and quick contrast paints are for this type of effect yes uh, it's just paint it white because it'll make you know because that's where you're gonna put the contrast paint on and you just slap it in quick and you're done which i really appreciate that we're in this hobby at a time where we have stuff like contrast paint and color shifting paint and fluorescent paint we got oh yeah the locals they do their 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 lighting effects in this like really bold neon fluorescent paint it oh yeah amazing yeah i have um so i have a the scale 75 and they have a fluorescent line yeah. and it is really really good um and it's i mean they're super super bright they're just not they're just not contrast paint type paints they're just bright fluorescent acrylic paints but you could yeah. do the same thing if you water it down and let it pool up and everything um but yeah i it, it's got to be very contrasting because i want it to be like and this is why i think i might go orange and red just for a simple fact that AC are kind of like the spooky bad guys type thing, you know, walking through walls, yep. sacrificing people, you know, everything about the divine tempest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I, and I kind of want that type of, you know, spooky eerie feeling. So the reason why I'm not going to go with like a green, I think, I think I'm gonna go with like an orange or a red, gotcha. um, but it'll just, it'll just depend. It, 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 it'll come and go once I figure it out. But I think, an orange would be really cool because a purple and whatever, because it's going to color shift from a dark purple to something. And right. depending on what it was, orange would work with those a lot. I agree. And I'm, I, I'm sure I'm going to hate seeing it because the next time I see it, I'll probably be playing against it. But <laughs> I, I look forward to seeing it. Well, like I said, um, after Adepticon, because I have to finish my stuff for War Machine for Adepticon, I'm going to work on my AC. I've got to do the basing... Um, because I'm going to do, uh, just a sand basing and probably do like a Martian red, you know, type look, gotcha. um, on it. So I'm not sure. That's just kind of maybe gray. I don't know. Um, <laughs> just got to make I'll it stand up. I have such decision paralysis when it comes to basing more than anything else. Well, I mean, it's a simple stuff. Like if you just lay down, you know, a sand base you know get your smallest gravel bits and just lay it in there and then throw some quick you know tufts of grass you're done in type thing that's the best way to do it but oh, yeah. i mean like, if, all, all my right quest models are exactly that they're just yeah. sand and grass tufts but whenever you start to get things like my uh kador jack that i did he's standing up on top of a, a special type of cork and then i've got like icicles hanging down and you know i'm like why yeah. did i do that <laughs> Because now I got to do it for everybody. <laughs> so the the first uh, the first models for the Orgoth that I got the Gen Con box, I put them on little pieces of pine bark because mm -hmm. it looks like like the the rock on like a shore or something. I was like, yep. oh, this is gonna be cool. 
And every single model I get for the Orkoth, I'm regretting that because now I have to do that for every single one of these guys. Yeah. When I could just be using sand and grass tufts. Correct. But man, um, it was cool. Oh, yeah. It looks great. You just got to be willing to take the, that extra effort and put it into it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's always good that when you paint your army that you get them, and I would say uniform is the best way to put it, but make them look like they all fit together. Yes. Uh, mercs, you don't have to worry about so much, in my opinion. Mercs, paint them any way you want because they're mercs. They do whatever. The wild cards, yeah. Yeah, the wild cards. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I like a theme on my faction. You know, my AC is all going to have the same type of paint scheme. Nothing says you have to, but that's just kind of a personal belief on mine. And then the wild yeah. cards, I paint whatever I feel like. <laughs> now, if you're running something like Marchers and you're really... You really want to do like a mishmash of different colors. Those are the kind of armies, I think, where that would fit really well. Oh, yeah. For marchers, you could actually, you know, paint like different pieces of the armor a different color. Because, yeah. you know, like in their, I don't want to say their fluff, but, you know, their their history is like they're piecemealing things together because they don't have huge backings. So it would, it would be cool if you did like a patchwork armor. Like this piece is blue and purple and, you know, you pick a, a, a main scheme, but like... Like a hip pad or, you know, something else is, you know, a different color. Yep. That stolen from somebody else, which that would fit very well with them. Yeah. And absolute bonus points if the paint scheme on those bits of armor matches your friend's ISA armor. Because <laughs> I stole it. The tactical acquisition, we call that. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that's, that's what I like to do is I like to just, I like to have a theme. I like to get it going just kind of go with it but i mean that's a lot of models i people i mean there's a ton of models e even in warcaster being a small amount of models to put on the board compared to a, a lot of other games it's still a decent amount i mean i've probably got about 50 models over there or more that i want to paint up for ac and that can be a daunting task for people yeah just to look at it <clears throat> and a lot of things that I suggest that if you're going to be painting an army, break it down. Paint something that you really don't want to paint first <laughs> and finish it and then paint something you really, 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 really want to paint. Yes. It gives you that incentive to finish it. Yeah, um, I don't know about you, man. I hate batch painting. Oh, yeah. Is my single biggest problem with playing War Machine is I'll sit down and be like, okay, now I have to paint 10 of these guys who all look almost the exact same. Yeah. It, it, it's annoying. And it's just, just monotonous. Cause you're, you're like a, you know, working at a factory. All right, here's all the Browns and it's all in the same spot, yeah. and, you know, type thing. But I mean, I, I find that if I, with, of course, you know, Warcaster, we've got three men units uh, or two mm -hmm. men, depending on what you're playing. It, 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 it can make it a little bit easier. Yeah. You're like three people, even though you may be playing two units, the same you could do you know a three-man unit go to a vehicle then do another three-man unit then do a solo mm -hmm. you know and and break it up and put it in chunks and i'm not saying leaving leave the worst for the last but that doesn't hurt <laughs> i say when i'm doing that i really enjoy the wild cards as like a palette cleanser correct like if i've been paint, painting isa for four or five different units i'll grab Fenric Leech or something and work on him for a bit. And it's it's nice. It's refreshing. Yeah, and like I said, you don't have to completely paint the entire model. You're like, alright, I got all the base colors on it. 
I'm going to go work on this solo for a little bit. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, got to let that dry. I can go back to my, my three-man unit, and I'll add the leather yep. type thing. Don't burn yourself out on it because you're not going to want to finish anything. Yeah, burnt out in painting is a very real and very obvious thing. <laughs> you will know when it's you. Yes, very much so. And you'll be like, oh, I got to paint. Which I'm kind of that way with my Orgoth right now, and not because I don't want to paint them. It's just I know I have to get them done for... Adepticon. Yeah, you're on a timer and deadline. Yeah, which is not too bad. I mean, it's, you know, 20-some-odd days away, so I don't have to rush it. I can take it in batches type yeah. thing, so it's not that bad. But one of the things I talked about in the Jericho Resource book is for all the paint scenes I did for my Warcaster, because obviously I'm, I'm trying to paint up four different armies for the one channel. And I was like, I wanted something that was going to look good on camera, but was also easy to do Oh yeah, over and over and over again. And I've been so grateful every time that I made that decision because if, if this was super detailed work, oh my god, I'd never finish. Yeah, and like I said, there's a lot of good techniques you can do to get an army painted quick. Um, another game I play, and I'm just quick for them, is I do I do Battletech, and I like playing Battletech. And you know, they're small models and they're all different, but contrast paint, I will tell you, has saved me so many times on making really quick paint schemes. Oh, I um, bet, yeah. I mean, you, you prime them white, you wash it over whatever color you want to wash it over, and then you dry brush it a little bit, and then you hit the details. You could do that with any army, any time. And it saves so much time. If you're not looking to, you know, make this a you know, golden demon winning, or, you know, you're, you don't care. You just want something to look nice and to put it on the, the board and, you know, have a good time with it. Contrast paints are the way to go. I'm not going to dog anybody for using contrast paints. Not at all. And if it's a unit that you really like, you can always go back later and make it look nicer. Yeah, and touch it up and add a little bit more detail. Yeah. But, I mean, there's plenty, plenty of ways to get an army on the table quick. Um, this contrast paint, dry brushing. I yep. mean, you could dry. You could technically, I could take one of the AC models, prime them black, dry brush them metal, um... I have all the metal bits, you know, dry brushed metal and then a little bit of highlight on those and then all the cloth painted black and then do, you know, just a color inside the, you know, the glowy bits and be done. And yeah, that, that's it, almost exactly how my ACR. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, wash in there and that's it. Yeah. Do a good no oil wash or whatever. And, you know, you're good to go. You got, you know, you've got your scheme and you've got it done. I mean, if you're. And there's ways to do it without making it look horrible. That's the best way to put it. Yes, it does. It still takes some practice. Yeah, but there's, I mean, there are plenty of things that you can do. Um, like I said, and basing is always that iffy, like, oh, crap, how am I going to do it? And then you, like, oh, this looks really cool. Crap, now I have to do it on 50 models. Yeah. So, secret of the trade here, for all the models in the Jericho Reach show, I've got these sheets of plastic card that's got, like, a diamond plate sort of pattern on it mm -hmm. that's all i use i cut circles out of that and i drop it in the base and that's it oh and so yeah there and there's a ton of places that make you know inserts for bases that you yeah. can plop down um or you can take and fill it with green stuff and then do a roller over the top of it yeah seen some of that recently yeah i mean i've i've got there's a few people that i've subscribed to their patreons and stuff where they just do rollers non-stop every every month there's a roller of some texture and you could mm -hmm. just and, and they, you can 3D print a little, you know, insert cutter to go with it. And so you can just roll out, you know, 
wooden planks and then put, put put the press down and then pick it up and put it inside the base and then glue everything on there. I mean, you don't have to go fancy. <laughs> yeah. Because at the end of the day, you are going to be doing a lot of models like this. So don't, don't make too much work for yourself. Yeah. But, I mean, if you, if you want to go crazy and go wild and have lights in it and, you know, water effects and ice effects and snow effects, go for it. Just... I mean, I actually, I actually was thought about doing water effects on all my Orgoth because they're mm-hmm. the Sea Raiders and they were coming into the water. And I did one and I was like, nope, not going <laughs> to do this for the entire army. And so I, I ripped that model off its base and put it in a new base and went with that. And I was like, just too much effort. I have an army for another miniatures game where they're all standing on the shore. So they're all on pine bark rocks with water around them. And it was such a giant pain to do like 40, 50 models like that, that I was, when I came to the Orgoth, it's like, it's just going to be the rock, no water. <laughs> yeah. I mean, mine, I use a uh, crackle mud on mine. And so you paint that on and then let it crackle up. And then I paint it up and dry brush it a little bit. And then, you know, put some flowers on it and good to go. Yeah. So I there's mean, some really, really cool tools out there to make it really easy. Oh yeah, there's, and, and, and if you want hints or anything, asking you know the Facebook groups, people are like, or ask people are always willing to show off their models. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. When someone says, "Hey, show me your models," everybody comes out and shows their models, <laughs> um, and you can get good ideas from you know everybody on this stuff. So I mean, don't don't hesitate to ask questions. Uh, there are plenty of uh, streamers or you know channels that you can look at for quick and easy basing. I know that like everybody's like, you know, I watch this guy because he's amazing and he can paint, you know, this model, you know, no time flat and it looks like a golden demon winning thing. But I'll tell you, there are quick and easy ways and they'll tell you like, yeah, I'm doing this because I want to. But if I was going to make it easy, here's how I would do it. An easy 10 minute basing yes. type thing. But like I, said, I like to do mine. I'm, I'm going to do another color shifting army. Um, and it's going to be a purple with turbo dork, um, with theirs and I'll, I'll airbrush the entire army and then, you know, start to detail it out. Yeah. Um, what model I'm going to paint first in that? I have no clue. I mean, they see models. They're just badass. The, the Neko Sphinx, the giant cat model. All right. Well, I have two yeah. of those. So yeah, I can work on two of those. Yeah, that that is the first thing that I would want to paint up out of that box. I don't have that box yet, but that would be top of my list. Yeah, I think that's what I would. Uh, okay, I'll I'll probably do that one first. I mean, I have I mean I have everything, but still. Yeah, you have two of everything because you're a psychopath. What? No, not me. <laughs> you're a friendly psychopath, but you're still a psychopath. <laughs> So let's go ahead and talk about our scenarios. Um, guys, like I said, if you have any questions, ask in chat, ask in Facebook. Um, people will always willing to talk about their paint schemes and what they're doing. Yeah, and that includes me and him as two of those people yeah. who do a lot of painting. A ton of painting. <laughs> you do more than Almost I do. Almost too much. Yeah, you do more than I do. And yet uh, there can never be too much. <laughs> okay, so skirmish mission. We usually do this thing. We just have drop in and talk about a couple of the scenarios and things to know about them. So you're going to pull out one of my favorite skirmish missions, Spontaneous Combustion. Yep. It's one of the last ones listed in the Thousand Worlds book. 
Uh, very easy setup, too. Yes, it's very easy setup. This is usually the second demo game that I'll run. So, Boiling Point, Simple Scenario, I'll run that as the first demo. There's no trick to Boiling Point. It's just, here's how you play the game. Mm-hmm. Spontaneous Combustion. Essentially, you've got three objectives that are set up on a diagonal. So, there's a one that's close to your deployment zone and one that's close to your opponent's deployment zone and one that's in the middle. Mm-hmm. And this is an amazing scenario to teach people how important board control is in Warcaster. So the scoring is at the end of the pulse round. But the way it works is not escalation scoring. It doesn't change per turn. What happens is if you score the objective closest to you, that's one point. The center objective is two points. Mm-hmm. And the objective that's closest to your enemy is three points. Yep. So it becomes incredibly valuable, borderline vital, to surge forward and not just sit and camp on your spot. But it's also know that not everything can score these objectives. Because it's a skirmish. Is it, is it? I believe we can. Any units. Sorry. You're gonna make me look stuff up. Yep. Any units can score can secure these, which is something that people got to think about whenever they're like. Because I just read through it quickly and noticed that because usually it's only troops. That's very common for only like squads, I should say. Yeah. Can can secure these things. So making an army that can move across the board and take the damage like a vehicle is good for getting into your opponent's back line. Yes. And that's that's something you that's really important to learn and this scenario really incentivizes learning that. Um and, and really this this scenario is straight up. There's no weird fancy stuff. It's just Hold them, and whoever has it at the end of, you know, whatever, wins. Mm-hmm. Um, and this right here, I think, is a good scenario for, like, I, I personally, when I build a list, I buy I build combined arm lists. You know, it's not all, like, jacks or all, you know, whatever. And Warcaster lends itself to making you build those like that. Um, this is a good scenario to test out your army, in my opinion. Because yeah. um, you're going to have terrain. Uh, and of course, Warcaster is very dense terrain, and you know, some of these objectives could be on buildings. Doesn't say they can't. Correct. Yep, that's that's correct. So, so center one could be on a really tall one. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. It it teaches you the two most important skills to know. Well, I say two of the most important skills to know in maneuvering a Warcaster, and that's both being able to jump up and control your opponent, but also safeguarding your own because. You know, it's worth three points to your enemy, too. Yeah. It's always good to keep, you know, things back. And just, this is where I would put my jack at the very back with the two shields. Yeah. And it was like, come on. He would be right at home. Bring it on, Cletus. you can. (laughs) Throw a mantlet down and put him down. (laughs) And go, what you gonna do? I've got shields on shields on shields. You know, but but that's that's the point, you know. Mm -hmm. You want to protect that back area and make sure they just can't run you over because you hold onto that back area. You're going to rack up the points quite quickly. Yeah. And while, while keeping them off, and if you can do that with one war Jack, essentially that frees up the rest of your army to surge forward. Correct. I mean, cause the center one, that's kind of where everybody's going to be kind of fighting over for, I would put the most part, but you want to kind of flank over and try to get your opponents at least stop them from scoring it. Just blow them yes. up if you can. Yeah. So uh, one more thing before we move on from that one, though, is it's also it's a little bit for new players. It can be a bit of a personality test. Because I've run that demo with players who 
they'll camp their objective and they'll try to contest the center objective and that's all they'll do. And I've had other ones who completely abandoned their home objective and just surge forward to the enemy <laughs> one. It's like, oh, okay, you're going to be one of those players. Beautiful. Um, cool. This one goes to the third pulse round. So, mm-hmm. After yep. the third pulse round is scored, the player with the most victory points wins the game. Yeah. Now, since it's not escalation scoring, it is one of those where if you get utterly stomped in the first two pulse rounds, then you you're you can reach a point where you're not going to win. Yeah. Which is a bit of a feels bad on occasion. But you have to really have messed up for that to be the case. And our primary mission. Our primary mission, by contrast, is a bit more complicated, but it's also one I like to use to introduce a new concept to people. The primary mission is Strange Matter. This is page 223, about center mass between all the primary missions. And essentially what you've got is you have four permanent objectives set up in a rectangle, kind of bracketing the center of the board. Mm-hmm. And these are your permanent objectives. They're, they're called the ruins. So what you're going to do is you're going to take art. You have to control artifacts, and you have to control ruins. So there's these four permanent objectives. They're worth one point each when you hold them. But in the center of the board, there are three portable objectives, which is a delicious concept in Warcaster. You just run out there, grab the box, and play hot potato for the rest of the game. <laughs> so each of the artifacts in the center you picked up, you get one point for each of those. If you're securing both, if one model is both holding an artifact and securing a ruin, you get two additional victory points scored. And then you get three points for during the third pulse round. Yeah, it is. No, you can rack up so many points like this. It's almost like watching like a. Uh, like a basketball game tech thing. Like, run out there, grab the objective, bring it back here, and then hold it. Yeah. Now, question on this. Uh, the three objectives in the center. You run them and grab it. Are you holding it for the rest of the game, or is there still another one in there? Uh, there are three different portable objectives. So, that you can... I suppose you could run out there and grab all three if your opponent was asleep on the job. Yeah. And then just run the... But you could end the, the scenario fairly quickly with that. Yeah, and, and it, what... The special rules for this is squads and solos can secure the ruins, but anybody can pick up the portable objects. Exactly. Um, which makes it kind of uh, vehicle. <laughs> Get it, run, gone, hold it. Yeah. and Play keep away, hot potato. <laughs> yes, and that's one of two strategies there. I mean, you could send a, like a squad out to go grab an objective and then camp it on a ruin, score points. But then you take units that can't score, like your vehicles or your jacks, just to hold the objective and keep it away from the enemy. Yeah. Because, yeah, if, if you ran out there with an interceptor and picked up one of those, you could be on the opposite corner of the map in no time flat. Yeah. And, and that's something you got to, of course, terrain effective. But this is where flight really becomes a, you know, and speed becomes an issue. Flight's a beautiful thing. You fly out there, grab it. And then fly away and be gone, and you're like, na 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 boo boo. <laughs> if you're not sure why flight is important to Warcaster, you may not be playing with enough terrain. Yeah, it uh, is incredible. Yeah, because I mean, this is pretty much you hold the you hold the objectives on your side. But here's the thing: it really doesn't even say on your side. There is no your and I side, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep, it's, it's just a, there. You you hold the ruins, you get points. If you hold the artifacts next to the ruins, you know, the same unit then you get a ton of points. Yeah. But I mean, it, it, this is also a quick and, you know, 
I, like I like, like I said, another combined arms type thing. I'm going to sit and hold one area so nobody can get to it. I'm going to try to f- push forward and grab the objectives and then try to knock you off of yours mm-hmm. as quickly as possible. And then run away and hide like a little scared little boy. And <laughs> <laughs> then run away. But it's, it, it's fun because if it's almost that personality test thing from spontaneous combustion because you could try to hold all three objectives all three of the artifacts, get them to ruins, like rack up a ton of points early on. Or you could just run away with them. And just be like, you can come get it if you want it. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, like I said, <clears throat> this is a pretty simple type thing, but it's got the new carry objectives, which I think is great. Um, playing football or, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, which is good because it, to me, scenarios have got to be more than I sit and hold. Or I sit and stop you yes. from holding yours. Um, from a lot of the other a lot of games that we play, it's always like, claim this objective, hold it, don't let your opponent get it. Okay, yep. we've de- we've been there, we've done that. This was like, I, I'm I'm going to secure my spots that I can, mm-hmm. but then I'm going to steal those objectives and I'm going to run with them and hide. Yeah, or just play keep away. Yeah, and that's how we get my point advantage over you, or however <laughs> you want to handle it type thing so um so these are the two objectives we're going to cover like this every episode we're going to try to cover two uh scenarios and go over them and for the most part you know for people that are listening most of these scenarios are pretty simple there's some of them that can get a little a little complicated um and some that you know like you're not allowed to use vehicles in this or you're not allowed to do that so we're gonna you know, we'll get to those eventually, but we want to go over some of the basic ones and then we'll get to some of the ones that are like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> type thing. Yeah. But, they, all, they all have their own kind of flavor. I don't want to say gimmick. Yeah. They, they all have different flavors to them. And it, it creates a very, uh, a really varied experience considering how few scenarios actually exist. Yeah. For now. I mean, we're, we're doing the ones that are in, of course, the, the Thousand World book. Um we're going through those, and I mean, like I said, for the most part, they're pretty simple and straightforward, just a little different setup. Yep. So. Now, I'll, I say that, but I will also tease, remember that uh, coming up relatively soon, we will have Warcaster Organized Play coming out with mm-hmm. a bunch of new scenarios to play. Yep. Which I figured once that comes out, uh, that'll be kind of the standard for, you know, tournament play or convention play it's like these are the ones that you're going to work with so you don't have to worry about it. not that you can't play the old ones not that you can't do but with organized play coming from it it'll be here it is kind of use these as your standard because it also helps for um organizers if they know exactly what they're going to be need, need to have on hand to get those games running yeah which we should start seeing more of that um, with things going on and people starting to get, get out and play the game. Uh, I know that uh, Adepticon's going to have quite a few events. Yes, uh, I'm very curious about one of those that I keep seeing come up. Which is the... The Maglev train. Yep. If you guys watch the channel, you know I love me some trains. <laughs> so I'm really curious to hear about that. And I really wish I could go this year and see that. Uh, I will be at Adepticon this year, uh, but I'm going to be playing War Machine um, this year instead of uh, Warcaster. Uh, next year, I'll probably bring a mix. That way I can play different things, but I wanted to play that because they've got a lot of good narratives coming out. And I'm like, I I think I know what they are and I want to play them. And I think I want to have a good time with them. 
Because it's narrative play, and I love me some good narrative play. Yep. So, hopefully we'll do that. Um, guys, if there's anything that you want us to talk about, or is there anything that you suggest, or you want us to cover, or whatever, we're more than welcome. You can always uh, ping more budgies on all the things and get it to there, or you know, send me a message. We don't have a problem talking about whatever. Yeah, and I will, as, as usual, I'll plug the Warcaster Discord as well, because... It's full of a bunch of fun lunatics like myself. Yep. No, he's got got Denny, plenty of different places that you can find information and reach out to us. Um, but so for next week, we are going to cover everything that is happening at Adepticon, or not next week, the week before Adepticon. So in two weeks, mm-hmm. uh, we'll be covering everything that is going on in Adepticon, what the events are, um, how they're you know what's, what's going to be played, so on and so forth. Um, and then I, after DEFCON, I'll probably have a little bit of review about what's going on there. Cause I'll definitely be looking and finding out what's going on in DEFCON Warcaster wise. Yeah. Sure. Travis will like, I don't want to talk to you. Don't give me too much trouble. Leave me alone. Gonzo. <laughs> no, Travis is always awesome. And I know he's running everything, but guys, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you hanging out. If there, like I said, if there's anything you want to talk about or go over, or you want to come on the show. Well, that's not. We ain't got a problem with that. We can have guests. Uh, but for War Dice and More Than Dice, I'm Gonzo. And I'm John from War Budgies. Let's get that music going.